Welcome back to the Appetite for Construction podcast. I'm your host, John Masonbrink. I'm here with Tim Ward. Tim, um, you know, got to thank our listeners for uh, checking in every week. We do two of these a week, Tim. One on Tuesday, we have a guest. And the Friday, it's just us two knuckleheads, um, you know, kind of shooting the shooting the breeze, right? That's what we like to do on Fridays. <laughs> Try to keep a little bit more centric to the industry on Tuesdays and our Fridays are a bit laid back. That's right. That's right. So should we get right into uh, today's topic and, uh, and guest? A little bit of industry specifics today that we hope uh, everybody enjoys. It's some good information that John and I saw a lot about in uh, Ish at Frank uh, in Frankfurt for Ish a couple of months ago. So looking forward to getting into it. And AHR too, Tim. Back That's in- true. That's true. When was that? January, February? January. That's right. We're already prepping for AHR next year. All right. So let's do it. Let's uh, let's bring in our guest. All right. We want to welcome in Sinem Kalkin. See <laughs> Wow. Okay. Hey. <laughs> uh how you how you doing today? Yeah, I'm all good. How are you? Okay, can you pronounce your full name for us? It's Sinam Gundodu Kalkan. And okay. I know it's hard, but you're yeah. doing a great job. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you. So uh you are currently the global business development manager at Danfoss for sector integration focused on decarbonization with integrated cooling and heating and heat recovery systems. That's correct. Yeah, you have more than 10 years of experience in sales and business development at global companies in North America, Europe, the Middle East, and Asia Pacific, and has been with Danfoss since January 2023. So a little a little newbie kind of, right? You know, yeah. kind of. Yeah, it's been seven <laughs> months already. <laughs> Uh, I got I got a lot of questions. You you said you're in Frankfurt, Germany, the yeah. home of Ish, uh, every two years. So, yeah. tell us about the ride so far. You've been there with the company probably what seven months, eight months, and uh, tell us about that. Yeah, I'm so happy to work with Danfoss. Um, well, I am a mechanical engineer, and my passion oh. is on the environmental side. Well, in fact, my uh, experience first started with the defense sector. And then automotive, then white goods, then industries, then hydraulics. So I had been in here and there, but I have not focused on HVAC in detail in the past. So since last 12, 13, 14 years, I was I experienced on sales and business development in various companies in various regions. But this is the first time that I am dealing with HVAC and I am so happy with my journey with Danfoss. Lots of opportunities within the company and outside the company uh, to express and to market the solutions. The great portfolio of Danfoss is a great privilege, I can say. So, you know, one of the major aspects about Danfoss is that uh, it's their commitment to sustainability and being a good environmental steward uh, to the planet. Um, we mentioned your kind of your job description, but take us through like a typical day. I know it's going to change every day but what what does all that mean what are you what are you doing for Danfoss 
Well, uh, my main responsibility is the driving market recognition of Danfors portfolio and expertise uh, on mm-hmm. providing these um, integrated heating and cooling systems and heat recovery and what can be done on excess heat. And apart from that, obviously, I'm handling the marketing and the business development side. Uh, a typical day consists of uh, team meeting and uh, internal and external research and getting together with our OEM partners for delivering all of these solutions. And apart from that, I am trying to be more active on uh, any sort of this kind of podcasts, exhibitions, conferences, uh, to be like a voice of downfalls, to explain what can be achieved on the journey of decarbonization and for uh, for getting ultimately net zero. Well, Senem, as you may know from some preparation work for the podcast, our audience are mostly contractors. They're yes. installers, they're HVAC techs. Um, how, how, what ways or how can contractors play a critical role and be a decarbonization partner for, let's say, building owners? Well, it's a good question. For contractors, they can play a crucial role as, this, as uh, decarbonization partners for building owners uh, by implementing various strategies and technologies to reduce carbon emissions and improve energy efficiency. They can contribute by doing energy audits and suggesting efficiency updates, such as assessing buildings' energy consumption and identifying areas of improvement and retrofitting the current HVAC systems to more efficient ones. And these upgrades can significantly reduce energy usage and carbon emissions. They can also contribute on renewable energy integration, as well as electrification and decarbonization of the systems, such as assisting building owners in transitioning from uh, fuel-based systems to electric alternatives. Obviously, maintenance, monitoring, and trainings would be the other ways in which contractors can cooperate. Um, by leveraging their expertise, constructors can serve as valuable partners for building owners and helping them uh, achieve their decarbonization goals and reduce their energy costs, and obviously to contribute to a more sustainable future. So, so having said that, what are some challenges challenges in retrofitting uh, existing buildings with low-carbon HVAC systems? Well, it can pose several challenges. Some of the key challenges would be uh, structural limitations, such as space availability or layout constraints. Uh, It can also be cost considerations because, you know, retrofitting existing buildings can be expensive and payback period for these retrofit projects can vary. And building owners may be hesitant to make some significant investments without uh, without clear financial incentives. And despite these challenges, retrofitting represents significant opportunities for reducing energy consumption and uh, obviously lowering carbon emissions. By addressing these challenges uh, through careful planning, collaboration and innovative solutions, it is possible to overcome barriers and achieve successful retrofits. Specifically with electrification of heating systems, the challenges to electrify and decarbonize the heating system, while at the same time maximizing efficiency to ensure a retrofit payback and a resilient system. Contractors can help ensure that this is accomplished by retrofitting the heating system to operate at a 
um, lower heating temperatures while at the same time ensuring the occupant comfort. Are those some of the only challenges really that contractors might have when they're addressing some of these retrofits? Yeah, but apart from that, there are obviously some pain points that we may uh, talk about. But uh, from challenges side, I think we can uh, summarize it as as this as as it is. Well, what are some of those pain points that building um, owners might have when it comes to HVAC retrofits? Yeah, so um, assessing the financial viability of the retrofit and identifying available financing options and evaluating potential energy savings are essential steps. Uh, And another pain point would be complexity of decision-making as HVAC retrofits involve multiple decisions, including selecting uh, appropriate uh, equipment, considering energy efficiency measures, and understanding various technological options. Uh, accessing reliable information, uh, working with knowledgeable professionals, and conducting uh, through evaluations can help addressing this pain point. Finally, constru- uh, contractors need to minima- uh, minimize the existing system operation disruption with the retrofit. Addressing these po- uh, pain points requires uh, proactive planning, collaboration with experts, and a clear understanding of the building owner's goals and constraints. Uh, by recognizing and working through these challenges, uh, building owners can successfully navigate HVAC retrofits and achieve these desired uh, outcomes. So you're in Germany, yeah. And whether it's it's true or it's uh, well, well, whether it's true or not, I think it's true. But you know, Europe is more, I think, energy efficient. There's there's a smaller footprint for for buildings, for apartments, for just the living space. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming the working space as compared to like the U.S. Do you do you see that difference? Yeah, I understand. Of course, there are differences between the regions and uh, Europe seems to be a very attractive market for these sort of applications because these are the main concerns for the countries which are based in Europe because where the uh, the land is limited, where energy is so uh, critical, the efficiency is very important. But it's important in all over the world. We are, for example, in our team, we are a global team and uh, our projects are not only limited in Europe. We have several projects in Asia Pacific, many projects in Middle East and also in the North America. In South America, we also have, but compared to North America, it's slightly higher. So in any uh, place where there are commercial buildings, uh, which requires a really high amount of uh, energy or uh, heating, uh, there are a good potential on this sort of uh, projects. Dan Foss has a partner with building owners, um, building maintenance, and contractors. There's, there must be a lot of training that's involved for contractors to really understand um, how to decarbonize a building. What role does Danfoss play in that? Well, uh, for the training side, Danfoss does not have the uh, the main, um, I wouldn't say concern, but the main responsibility on that. So uh, if a contractor may need an, uh, a, a need an additional training, uh, 
they would need a training on energy efficiency, renewable energy integration, low carbon heating and cooling uh, technologies, Uh, Danfoss can advise on what can be done as part of sector integration or heat pump design or uh, what can be done uh, connecting them to district energy and uh, what is critical on selecting the uh, low GWP or natural refrigerants. Uh, and provide the tools and the training of the tools which would be uh, used on automation and controls. Uh, but in addition to that, uh, there are some training pro- uh, programs that are provided by the industry associations um, and educational institutions. So, for example, from contractor side, they can pursue certifications like uh, LEED uh, AP accredited professional or BPI, Building Performance Institute, for sect, uh, certifications. Danfoss, as a manufacturer, we do have training programs for, for our OEM partners. And in addition to that, uh, if there is a contractor or building owner, if this is a critical building, we are the ones actually who are uh, showing them that what is possible on uh, heat recovery, on decarbonization journey, on uh, what can be done on the excess heat. Danfoss is giving the uh, advice and uh, doing the system design uh, on this sort of uh, opportunities. So what are the main factors uh, that drive what is considered to be a successful uh, decarbonization retrofit project? For instance, like buy-in of all stakeholders, engaged team, covering all project aspects, collaboration on a project, solutions beyond traditional design practice? Yeah, all good points. Uh, There are obviously several factors to contribute to a successful decarbonization retrofit project. Uh, One of the factors would be, just like you said, stakeholder buy-in and collaboration, including building owners, facility managers and contractors. And the other factors would be comprehensive and uh, engaged projecting with diverse expertise covering various aspects of the project uh, beyond traditional design practices, performance measurement and monitoring to establish a clear metrics and performance targets to measure uh, the effectiveness of the decarbonizations uh, decarbonization measures implemented. Financial viability and return on investment is also a critical factor which contributes to a su- successful decarbonization retrofit project. It is important to evaluate the costs and benefits of the proposed measures, uh, including upfront costs, energy savings and payback periods. By considering these factors and incorporating them into uh, the project approach, a decarbonization retrofit uh, can be more successful in achieving its intended objectives of uh, reducing carbon emissions, improving energy efficiency, and uh, creating healthier and more sustainable buildings. Ultimately, the success of a retrofit project is determined by the customer the uh, building owner, the end user, long-term operating costs and reliability are critical to this customer determination. Re-engaging, uh, by re-engaging uh, with the customer after retrofit, contractors can help ensure that they have a long-term relationship. They can make sure that they are working with the right solu- uh, solution tool set and uh, guarantee of repeating business. How much is incumbent upon a building owner to have that mindset? Like, 
I want to have my building as efficient as possible, as environmentally friendly. I could see some building owners just put the cheapest shit in, right? I mean, so how important is that building owner's mindset to work in this, you know, this area of decarbonization and sustainability? Yeah. So um, I explained the main factors that which could be considered as a successful decarbonization eutrophic project. And that works with all of the parts. But it depends on what building owners, what uh, what they would require if they would, uh, what are the limits of uh, their investment. Uh, it depends on the financial investment that they decide. It depends on uh, if they are going to combine what they are doing with the nearby facilities or uh, district energy. For example, if they consider to uh, use that uh, district energy it is possible to invest on a different design on and work with that. And uh, all of these factors are very critical. And just like I said, it's all determined by the customer. What are the limits that they are looking for? If we are talking about the commercial building, and if they have, for example, an excess heat in one process, uh, it is possible to use that excess heat from uh, in another process and uh, use it at, at some point. And But it depends on uh, what they are looking for, what are their capacities, uh, if is uh, layout is suitable on uh, doing such sort of investment or uh, from financing point are they ready to cover that uh, what is the payback period that they are imagining these are all very critical on deciding on such system now we've spoke a lot about retrofits of buildings yeah. what I'm curious about is can you give us a little bit of historical background when and why is Danfoss even focused on decarbonization? Yeah, it's good. It's a really good point. So, uh, as you can imagine, Danfoss is a global leader in energy efficient and sustainable solutions. Yes, they are focused on this uh, decarbonization system, retrofit projects, and you know all of these things on the energy efficiency. There are several reasons for it, obviously. One is Danfoss has a broad portfolio on products and solutions that align with the goal of the decarbonization, decarbonizing buildings. And um, for example, our offerings inc- include energy efficient HVAC systems, heat pump components, variable frequency drives, smart controls, hydronic systems, and other technologies, these are all uh, can significantly reduce energy consumption and uh, carbon emissions. Uh, offering this broad solution portfolio as a part of our manufactured portfolio means uh, that we have the expertise to work with constructors to determine the right solution. Uh, by focusing on retrofit projects, we can leverage our expertise uh, existing expertise and product range to provide an effective and sustainable solutions. Um, Additionally, addressing climate change, reducing greenhouse gas emissions is a global necessity. It's not really on Danfoss' hands. And retrofitting existing buildings with energy efficient and low carbon systems is an essential part of uh, mitigating climate change. Uh, Buildings account for a significant portion of a global energy consumption and carbon emissions. By focusing on decarbonization retrofit projects, Danfoss can contribute um, the urgent need for reducing carbon emissions from built environments. Besides, um, there is a growing, uh, growing market demand for uh, retrofit solutions that 
enable building owners to reduce energy costs, meet regulatory requirements and achieve sustainability uh, goals. Um, Retrofitting existing buildings represents a significant market opportunity for Danfoss and by providing innovative and efficient solutions for these retrofit projects, we can address this demand and capture market share in the growing uh, decarbonization market. Well, speaking, you're the glo- you're the person in charge of the global portfolio. Where where are we doing it right in the world, and where is there a significant portion of growth that needs to occur? Yeah, so uh, I think the best job is being done on northern European countries, as you can imagine, because it all uh, the projects that we are doing there, or the requirements, or the regulations are in place. They are all touching all critical points uh, to uh, to energy efficiency, to electrification of heating. You you know that it's mainly focused on that renewable energy, on sourcing the uh, electric part. And uh, building overall efficient systems are mainly the concerns of northern Northern European countries. Uh, Not the concerns, but the opportunities are already there. And majority of our works are already there. Uh, But where we can achieve more would be, for example, uh, in Europe, Germany is... uh, very critical in calculating overall the value of the business. Uh, but apart from that, all parts of the world, I mean, for example, from the construction side, uh, when we talk about construction, building new, uh, building new buildings, we are all imagining like Middle East, right? So where there are all of these significant big uh, projects, uh, there are a lot of opportunities on that side as well. Um, Danfoss has created this white paper, uh, um, and I, I can share the link when we are uh, sharing this podcast as well. And in that white paper, uh, we are mainly focused on these calculations in the European Union, but it's also giving a really good perspective to everyone who would be interested in such uh, such measures. And in there, we are, expe- uh, we are explaining that which countries has this much uh, excess heat and what can be achieved with that excess heat uh, just to increase awareness uh, on what can be done. We had created this paper and it also shows that uh, we are flushing down (laughs) all of the uh, energy that we can reuse, that uh, we can use it as a beneficial uh, in all sorts of ways. So Sinem, we're going to talk a little bit about you now. Uh (laughs) You started in, with Danfoss earlier this year, and uh, over the past 10 years, we mentioned you've done a lot of different things all over the world. What what Can you take us through kind of what your background is? I am a mechanical engineer, and mm-hmm. I have done my engineering management master's degree. In that period, at that time, I was working... I was mainly focused on defense sector because, you know, as all of these uh, research and development passion for mechanical engineers, defense is is the uh, golden mine, (laughs) gold mine for us. And then after that, I decided that I would be uh, more successful and achieve more on the the sales roles. And then I started working for uh, another international company uh, for six, seven years. Uh, There I was responsible for various regions, which helped me to understand the the market trends, even the behaviors of the people, you know, 
general yeah. <laughs> in overall all of these regions. And then uh, I, at that time I was living in Istanbul where my hometown is. And then I have moved to Europe, to Germany, uh, to uh, one of uh, the other international company. Actually, they're also an American company. Uh, and I was a business manager there. And uh, after two and a half years, I find my way in Danfoss, uh, where I can finally, you know, it's not only satisfactory on the sales side, on the impact side, but it's also wonderful to work in such company who is so much focused on environment and which is really feeding also my heart. So how's your German? I... <laughs> It's always better when you are drinking um, uh, one or two uh, German wise beers. Uh, but overall, for uh, social speaking, I have no problems. For business wise, I'm also uh, speaking in German and some, with uh, some of my customers. It's uh, not as good as my English. I'm not saying that my English is perfect, but it's not at the same level uh, to be exact. Uh, but it's improving. So it's my uh, two and a half years in Germany, uh, second and a half year. So I'm learning, and it's it's nice uh, to experience this language. <laughs> Sinan, before we jumped on, you and I had an opportunity to talk a little bit about your hometown of Istanbul and how it's a beautiful, beautiful city. Um, you said you traveled to about 35 countries. Yes. <laughs> Do you, Have you been over to North America in the last few years? Yeah, I was in the U.S. How, uh, I assume you traveled to all the big trade shows? Well, big trade shows just a little bit, but, but the, in my former job, because I was mainly focused on this fluid convenience, uh, there is a um, show called Nayhad. So I had been there, uh, and that's it. Uh, for the trade shows, I can say I'm more experienced in Europe and in Asia Pacific. <laughs> what are some of the things you like to do outside of work? What are some of your hobbies? Well, I love swimming. It's not like swimming, swimming. I used to be a professional swimmer until uh, university. Then I had to stop it. Uh, Wait, what? A professional swimmer? Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever ever think about the Olympics or anything like that? No, Olympics is a, is a dream thing. But now I have my other target. So uh, since last three years, I do open water swimming. Uh, open water swimming is an exercise where you swim on a lake or on a uh, on on sea or an ocean, uh, and the distances that I have swam was six point two kilometers, five point six kilometers, and I am now training for another race, which will be seven point two kilometers from beautiful town called Kash in Antalya to the beautiful island of Mays from Greece. So it's a really wow. nice thing. Um, you. Um, the, I had been in uh, three races. Uh, two of them, uh, three of them, were in Turkey. One was uh, is uh, one was the uh, Çanakkale Bosphorus. It's a uh, it's a, uh, one of the Bosphoruses of the Marmara Sea, and the other two was uh, the Bosphorus Competence. Uh, it's a really old uh, competition, and you start swimming from the continent of Asia and you swim to the continent of Europe. Total distance is 5.6 kilometers. And I have done at first try one hour, 20 minutes. The second try one hour, 15 minutes. John, John, can you, can you swim that long? No, but you know, my son, I don't think I would sink. I just kind of float. Like I'm in the salt lake, 
you know, the Great Salt Lake. <laughs> yeah. Just, you don't sing. But that is impressive. I Wow, that is cool. Yeah. And I also do, I like cycling. So uh, I have this nice gravel bike where I enjoy every weekend. It's quite common in Germany. You would see everybody's looking like an, uh, athletes, but yeah. just like amateurs like everybody else. So do you do any triathlons? You do the biking, you do the swimming, any running? Well, I respect everyone who are capable of doing it. It is possible to do them individually. I wouldn't be running marathon, but I have experiences with uh, 20 kilometers. Uh, but uh, it, separately, it is possible for me. Altogether, mm. I don't no. think so. <laughs> Uh, that was an Ironman in uh, uh, Frankfurt two weeks ago, I believe. Uh, in that, the uh, the best uh, time was nine hours, 40 minutes. And you have to uh, swim uh, three point something kilometers of swimming and then 180 or more than that for uh, riding bike and a marathon running all together. We're just getting tired listening to this. Yeah, I, can't I, know. Sleep, I, know. I can't sleep nine hours, let alone yeah. run, bike, and swim. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. So I respect everyone. It's, it's a great uh, sport. John, everything she just said is so European. Yeah, <laughs> like swimming and biking. That's so European. Yeah. So you mentioned like the beautiful islands. Like I could meet you while you're swimming and I could just be like, yeah, on yeah, a lawn chair I mean, with a drink or something. But yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let me know when you're around Europe. It's just <laughs> yeah, it's right. so fun. <laughs> well, Sinem, thanks so much for jumping on. Tell us a little bit about what you do and Dan Foss's, you know, continued commitment to, um, sustainability and um, decarbonization. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a pleasure that you are inviting us, and I hope that uh, all of the listeners uh, would enjoy uh, what they heard. And uh, if they have any further questions or opportunities, I believe that when we are sharing this podcast, maybe we can share the contact details. And we yes, can talk about it. absolutely, we will definitely do that. Thanks again.